Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to another episode of Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast, here to break down that thrilling win over the Panthers here. And Kyle, before we get started, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. We're going in the three and three. So I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about that. That's basically that's the goal. You can't you can't go in at one and five, can't go in even at two and four, have to go into the buy at three and three. So lots to be concerned about, but that's reason, at least for some some optimism. Yeah, that's fair. It's amazing how despite all the emotions of yesterday, there's just it's a difference between a win and a loss in the column. And yeah. uh the the three and three record certainly doesn't tell the whole story of of what the first six games have looked like. Um, no, but I think that it's got to be this position where it's like could have been worse, could have been better. Right, exactly, and and that's isn't that just a Vikings fan? That that's just basically the whole. That's basically a summary of what it means to be a Vikings fan. Could have been worse, could have been better. We should have done this, should have done this. Could have happened like this. Well, you know, and it's always this humming and hawing, and you're kind of going back and forth. And yeah, that that's basically what it means to be a Vikings fan. Yeah. It, you know what? They certainly haven't made any game feel comfortable. Uh, haven't made any game feel safe. Uh, it, uh, hey, as a as an unbiased person, it makes it a lot of fun to to watch because you just never know how they're going to make it close um, yep. at the end. But yep. I I actually felt yesterday that I felt out of maybe any of the weeks outside of the Seattle game, I felt most confident in them winning that game. Um, really? Even more than against the Lions? Well, so I guess in the, against the Lions. I'm thinking more, um, yeah, maybe those two. But, more like actual NFL teams. But the, the Lions still, it was, it was close. I just like, I, it felt like even when it was a tie game at the end, because like the, I guess that's what I'm saying. With the Detroit Lions game, they were down one. Um, yeah, that's right. And so, yeah. like, there was a chance. I'm just saying, like, throughout the whole game, throughout the whole process, uh, outside of Seattle, I think that it just it felt the most um, safe, mm-hmm. uh, which is is a relative term when you factor in the Vikings. But um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, let's jump. Right. Let's jump yeah. into it. I and with first down, I think I was thinking that there's no way that unless Cousins puts together some incredible stats that he would be, I think, a serious candidate for that MVP race. And I think that the Vikings would have to have some success. But, like, this dude, I've always kind of had this this holding that he's a top 10 quarterback, and he's certainly proven that so far through these first six games. Yeah, but the the crazy thing is, so Cousins has played really well these first six games. But then Kyler Murray has been awesome. Tom Brady has been awesome. Aaron Rodgers, I hate to say it, he's playing well. Josh Allen has been awesome. And so you look at these other quarterbacks, and there are there are definitely more that I'm not remembering uh, right off the top of my head here. But you could think of at least four or five that you probably say are ahead of him when it comes to the MVP race. So it's like, is he playing well? Yeah, he's playing well. But, man, he'd have to go at a pretty crazy pace over these next 11 games, following the bye, that is, in order to actually surpass some of these other dudes. And, like, frankly, like I'm – like, I'm good with that. Like, I don't – the expectation isn't necessarily that Cousins will be league MVP. Mm-hmm. If he happens to be, then I think that's amazing. But I don't really think that's the goal. If he's somewhere in that 5 to 10 range or 6 to 10 range, 
he's the sixth or seventh or eighth best quarterback or something like that, then that that really should be all the Vikings need. In theory, should yeah. is, the, is the key word. But in theory, that's what you brought him in to do. You didn't bring him in because you thought he was Patrick Mahomes. You brought him in because you thought he could be really, really good. And then partner that with what should be a really, really good defense. And, well, now you're on to something. So give him credit because he actually – not just clutch, but clutch twice because he marched them down the field at the end for the field goal to win the game. Missed the field goal, ends up going to overtime. But again, that's to a certain degree, that's not on Cousins, right? He did what he needed to do. He accomplished the goal, right? With what, 40 some seconds or whatever it was, kind of thing. Like, marches the guys down the field, plays well. And then in overtime, just a sensational pass to KJ Osborne. And, and to Osborne's credit, it wasn't just a touchdown catch. But he also, he had the big, I believe it was a third down conversion earlier where he kind of bobbled it, but he came down with it. And so give give credit to Osborne as well. He was really, really important on that final drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um, like Cousins, I, I know we, we do want to talk about Thielen and Jefferson, but um, yeah. especially that throw that he had to Thielen in the end zone for that touchdown, um, yeah. that window, it's like, yeah. like that's, yeah. a, that's the $35 million throw there. Uh, yep. because there are not many people in the entire world that could could throw that under pressure and that was yeah. just like incredible especially when they put the slow-mo down and you could see just how close that guy's fingertips were and, and Thielen he like he didn't give him a whole lot um no yeah and uh and especially just how low it was to the ground um it was a great play for both of them for just both Thielen and Cousins yeah yeah, yep. yeah. when yeah. he th- released that ball I immediately said what are you doing and then Thielen came down with it because I thought it was I thought Thielen was covered. I thought it was a horrible decision. Right. So I see him kind of turn that way, and I, and I yelled at you, "What do you do?" And anyhow, <laughs> turned out okay. So it shows, shows what I know. That, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Good. Well, it's we've got Jefferson and Thielen and, and this two-headed monster, and it still feels like there hasn't been a game where they've both really gone off. And maybe that's just how football is going to go. But Jefferson's yeah. done really well. It seems like throughout the, the first part of the season. I know you had written an article this week about needing Thielen to step up. Um, yep. He certainly did. He certainly yeah, did. Yeah, he was he was amazing. And and the crazy thing is, so he he only had three targets last week, right? I mean, here they targeted him what a dozen times, something like that. And then by the end of the game, he's got all kinds of receptions, all kinds of yards. He scored obviously the big touchdown. But I mean, the crazy thing is, so Thielen finishes with eleven receptions, one hundred twenty-six yards, and the one touchdown. But that doesn't actually preclude. Like that heavy usage doesn't preclude the possibility of integrating other weapons, right? Because Jefferson still has eight for 80. KJ Osborne was six for 78. Tyler Conklin had three catches for 71. DD Westbrook had two catches. Dalvin Cook had two catches. Herndon had a catch for the touchdown. So you can still really feature these. between the two of them, Jefferson and Thielen, that is, you have 19 catches, right? Mm-hmm. And then you throw Osborne into the mix with six of his own. So now your top three are, are all heavily integrated into the you know, the game plan, right. In, in terms of the passing. So to me, it just kind of inexcusable that he wasn't featured more previously uh, because there's so much attention on Justin Jefferson. Now in the past game, there's so much attention on Dalvin cook in the run game, right? How is Thielen not the key to kind of unlocking these two to a certain extent? Cause really you can't, it's not that you can't, it's, it's very difficult to guard all three right throughout the game it's very very especially when you have a fourth option like Osborne who can contribute 
and Tyler Conklin who can contribute. You know what I mean? Especially once you have other guys who can actually do some good things for you. So I'm just, I'm pleased that Thielen was targeted early and often and he was great throughout the whole game. And Jefferson was a little bit so-so, but Mm-hmm. Thielen was very good. That that's a sneaky eight catches for eighty yards. I like I didn't look at the stats after the game, but yeah. like Jefferson didn't pop to me. Like he didn't have yeah. the some of the the real key moments that he did. Not that he didn't have them, but like just other weeks, he's just he's been that third down guy, just yep. coming out clutching a few important situations. Uh, yep. He did have that fumble, and and I posed a question to you yesterday, like. Yep. In some ways, when a star player does something like that, it's like, well, you know what? They do so many good things yeah. that it's like, oh, like you can live with maybe a mistake. And and then I was like, but on the other hand, like they are great. And when you are great, you hopefully don't make those plays. And it feels yeah. like right now there's been three key fumbles that have happened. Um, yep. Thankfully that it was early and it didn't, like they won the game. So it, yep. in a sense, it doesn't matter. Um, yep. But when you see Jefferson fumble the ball, like mm-hmm. where, where are you at with, with kind of that, that balance of expecting yeah. good, like star things from star players and having yeah. a little bit of grace for, for all the good things that he does. Yeah. Cause he's probably been after cousins, you could probably say he's been our best offensive player. Yeah. The year, right. Like, and, and maybe, maybe you might be able to make the case that he's better than cousins. Uh, but I mean, cook's been out injured and, um yeah so you probably it's, it's between jefferson and cousins for sure uh my inclination is to give him a, a free pass in that he does so many things so well and he's so consistent and i i know we put up 34 on them and we put up a lot of yards but carolina's defense is impressive yeah like their front seven they fly around like they're really aggressive really physical and we kind of leaned on them and you know, found ways to move the ball and, and score points in the end. But Carolina has some players, man. Like they, they have some for real players. And you got to give the credit to their defensive coordinator. Uh, their front seven is legit, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, even, even though we beat them, even though we scored 34 points, put up all those yards, I, I've come away impressed with Carolina. And I think really, if Sam Darnold was at least competent, you know, you, we, you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't have gotten anywhere near those 34 points. Right. Um, like our defense kind of had Darnold figured out for the vast majority of the game. Um, so I do wonder a little bit if their offense had been able to do more, if Christian McCaffrey perhaps was there, if Darnold was better, if they're, they, I think they had seven drops according to PFF. If they didn't drop the ball seven times in Darnold's defense, there's probably seven completions and a lot more yards, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I wonder how much better Carolina's defense would have looked, right? Because they're not going to be on the field for nearly as long. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting. But I, I to get back to the main point, I'm giving Jefferson a free pass because he one he does so much well, and two because I think actually Carolina's defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they were fantastic. There was one play where um, he was a linebacker. I can't remember the guy's name, but like there was a screenplay, and you had two of the yeah. the offensive linemen out wide, and he yeah. just like like just blew yeah. by them and, and made I the tackles. I believe it was Reddick. Yeah, it's on Reddick. Yeah, that was a sensational play. And uh, you know, I'm looking at, and I don't, you know, I'm looking at these big offensive linemen who are all out there standing around, thinking like, 
fellas, try. But like Hassan Reddick was just so explosive, right? He just went right around them and tremendous, tremendous yeah. play. Yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of like I was like, where was the the protection there? But exactly. also like when you have guys out there, um, and and you have it was just he just he flew by them and they just you could yeah. tell they kind of looked and turned around and it was like yeah yeah that's we can't can't do a whole lot about that yeah so kind of dumbfounded yeah. i i thought the carolina defense actually like i echo that like i thought that they were quite good um mm -hmm. and i do want to talk about the offense that you mentioned there um the carolina's mm -hmm. offense and in, mm -hmm. in relation to that the vikings defense um but Considering all those factors, if you think about the first six weeks of the season, just to tie a bow on this first down, how yeah. would you rank this offensive performance to the other five? Compared to the other five, this is probably, you know, it's in the top half, probably. And we score 34 points on the road against a tough defense, move the ball a bunch, integrate all your playmakers for the most part. You know, it's in the top half, but I, they still felt like they left so much out there. Uh, how does Dalvin Cook only have two catches for three yards? Right. That's insane. That's insane. Right? Like, you know, how, how are we not running more play action? Look at the success we had on play action, the bootlegs. How are we not doing even more of that? Right? I, so I – it wasn't bad, but it was, it was far from perfect. It was far from perfect. That's interesting because, like, they – this is – the most amount of points they've put up in a week yeah so far they had they had 33 against the cardinals and they had 30 yeah, against the seahawks that's like, right i i would have said that it was their best offensive performance of the year in terms of being able to like there's been other games where they've they've had a better half but in terms of full game performance that's what i would have said so i was just kind of interested what you would have taken away in terms of that and it's always easy i think to like well yeah. you could have done this after the game but i just mm -hmm. like i was curious looking back what you would would say they, they and some of this is now they left 10 points on the field yeah they didn't convert on two two-point conversions and they missed two field goals both the field goals were long and zim specifically said after the game that the wind was really strong and so you know the, and of course the longer you're kicking it the, the more the wind is a factor but the, those are that's 10 points you've left out there um it was far from perfect it was far from, and i thought the, the o-line at, at different points just Really, Oliudo had a really tough game. Yeah, and um, anyhow, there's there's a lot to work on there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, let's switch over to the defense, and and I I think it's quite fair to say that the defense fell short yesterday. Um, like you said, yeah. this is the second time uh, in three weeks where we've seen a pretty abysmal quarterback performance. We had Baker Mayfield a couple of weeks ago, yeah. um, and and Sam Darnold yesterday was was quite bad. bad. It, it, it was bad. It was, uh, it was definitely um, the drops certainly don't help a quarterback. Uh, and Robbie Anderson had a tough game too. Like just it, I can't imagine as a Carolina, like I, I was sitting there thinking like if the Vikings lose this game, considering how poor this offensive performance is from Carolina, like this would yep. just be absolutely devastating because they were, embarrassing. they were garbage. Um, yeah. And so how I guess like when we look at the end of the game, particularly this has been a little bit of a theme lately where you're up, you've got up, up by two scores, uh, and 11 then, points yeah. and 11 points. So it's not even like, it's not even just that 10 points where you, you do it. Like in my mind, it's actually three plays exactly to make 
You got to exactly. do the field goal. You got to do the touchdown. And then the two point convert yeah, is like far from, far from a certainty. Um, yep. So how much criticism <laughs> do you give um, to this defense for allowing those seven points at the end? Well, 11 points at the end. Cause they, they, oh, sorry, I, say, I said, I, I was reading off 11. Yeah, no, no, you're good. So Carolina, they drove the ball and it was kind of like a bend, but no break. They kicked the field goal. And I said to myself, okay, fair enough. Um, you know, you bend, but don't break. They still need to get the, the full eight points. And like Sam's saying, it's two, that's two plays. And, and the two-point conversion is no guarantee, right? So, okay, fair enough. Uh, and so I kind of didn't give them too much flack in my mind in the moment saying, yeah, whatever, you allow field goal. It's not the end of the world. But then on that final drive, you know, we made Darnold look like Brady. You know what I mean? Like, you know, fourth and 10. And I think it was a fourth and six, right? And he, and not just on fourth and 10, you don't get like 11 yards, he, that was a big, long completion that got them close to midfield. And so to me, that was really, really discouraging. Zim said after the game that he was debating in his mind. They were blitzing him all game, and they were getting him off the spot. They sacked him, I think, five times. They hit him a bunch of times. Uh, the D-tackles, Armand Watts, Dalvin Tomlinson, played exceptionally well. They got great pressure up the middle. Uh, but in, in any case, Zim said he was debating in his mind, do I send a blitz? Do I play coverage? What do I do? He says he only sends four. He decides to play coverage, doesn't want to give up a big play. You know, and then they, of course, they give up the big play in their coverage. Uh, to me, that's just backbreaking, right? That's that's bad. So he's Zim. This is now your eighth year. You've got all pretty much all your dudes back. Michael Pierce, again, is hurt. Patrick Peterson went down late. Um, you've got basically all your dudes back there. And I was a little disappointed in his answer. He was he was critical of uh, the defensive alignment, and you know, he had some sort of comment, something effective. You know, I expected them to be or I anticipated that they would be a little smarter than that. I'm um, talking about maybe the way they aligns based off what they were seeing pre-snap. But then it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, maybe, I don't actually know, maybe Xavier Woods or Harrison Smith or, or, or someone, one of the linebackers perhaps, didn't line up properly. But that also falls on you, coach, because you're, you're the defensive mastermind here. And so you're the one who needs to ensure that these dudes get it and not just get it, but then can actually then go and do it right on the field. So it's a little disappointing, I think, all around, even though I think overall, for 58 minutes, 57 minutes, the defense played exceptionally well. The first touchdown came off of that, that fumble, and then they, you know, they had to go like 20 yards. And so you say, well, Frig, that's a pretty tough task for the defense. Mm-hmm. And then they allowed some field goals, and then there was a blocked punt. Yeah. Right. So two, two touchdowns were scored. Both of them were one bad play from the offense, one bad play for the special teams. And then you allow some field goals until, until the very end. So for 57, 58 minutes, you say the defense pretty much has them figured out. And again, similar to Baker Mayfield, you know, there was more out there for Cleveland on that day, but Mayfield played just so poorly that it didn't actually become a reality. Same thing with Carolina. There was probably more out there for Carolina's offense, but Darnold was just so lousy and the receivers were just so lousy that it didn't actually materialize into anything tangible. Mm-hmm. but man i thought patrick peterson played well i thought dalvin tomlinson played well armand watts was awesome right like there was there was really mackenzie alexander had some excellent plays uh so i think the defense is actually taking noticeable steps forward hmm. uh it's just disappointing the way that i kind of feel like the, you look at the offense say the offense played well i'm actually a little bit disappointed in the offense and then you look at the defense you're disappointed in them because of the end but i actually think the defense played well so i it's kind of 
you know, like like with any Vikings game, you feel conflicted <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And you kind of think, yeah. what, what do you do with these guys? Yeah, I, I do want to say, like, there is not a single guy on this team I've been cheering for more than uh, Breland. And for him to get that interception. Really? Well, you say really? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just, I like, I just so, it's just so hard to watch someone really struggle. And so I was just yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not in terms of how much he plays, like that's a different story, but in terms of looking for someone to have some success, having him make that yeah. interception, like I was just, I was thrilled and actually probably like uh, uh, Herndon having that touchdown too. Like those two guys, yeah. like, I feel like have been um, yeah. kind of scapegoats a little bit or, or however you want to call it in terms of fans, just like being like Herndon is more about the, the trade and how much gave up to, to get him. Um, but both of those guys having big plays, um, that just was a highlight for me yesterday because um, I'd, I'd like to cheer for the underdogs. Um, all right. All right. Last point on the defense that I want to run by you is yesterday was one of the first times, and this may have, like the, the Darnold factor needs to be factored in here, but like I felt a lot better about the defense when they were passing versus when they were rushing, like they, they rushed pretty well, even with the loss of McCaffrey, like they were, it felt like they were consistently getting four or five yards each mm-hmm. time they ran the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a different perspective or like maybe a different insight in terms of just that, like, does this team need to get better in their run defense? Yeah, I think to certain things they do, but I kind of think, okay, but you're still missing Pierce who's of course going to be a big run stuff or he's, he's your nose tackle. And then Anthony Barr still getting his, his feet underneath him a little bit. So yes, they do need to get better. Um, but to me, it's not actually, uh, again, I think they're making strides. I think if you, if you were to say to a defensive coordinator in the NFL, you know, a team is only going to be able to get three, four, five yard chunks. They'd probably take that because for the most part, offenses, it takes takes a lot of plays to, to move move your way down the field if you're doing three four yards at a time, right? But what you really want to avoid is the 10, 15, 20 yard runs where you're just finding those creases and you're just gashing a defense and getting first downs on these runs. That's backbreaking, right? And that then you start feeling like you're on your heels, and uh, you know there, there's a real issue there at that point. So I I actually think they've made some pretty good improvements. Uh, and I actually feel pretty good about where this defense is heading, provided they can do so at critical moments. You know, continue to be really effective in critical moments would be my uh, would be my thing. And so I, I like how the defensive tackles are coming together. I like that the corners seem to be kind of playing a little bit better, and the secondary seems to be kind of improving. Uh, I think this defense could go on to be strong, strong. Mm-hmm. And man, they're going to need to because they're playing Dallas and then they're playing Baltimore and then they're playing the Packers and they're playing the Chargers. You know what I mean? So it just, it's no rest for the weary, right? So you just, the defense is going to have to really, really be good, right? Suffocating in the, in, in run defense and just really, really getting after the QB in, in pass defense. And we'll see if they're up to the task. It's, it's going to be a tough test. Yeah. It, it certainly is encouraging that they, they do seem to be making it's never linear progression um, because mm-hmm. you're always going to have downfalls, but it does feel like considering where this team was week one to, to week six, yeah. um, 
like huge difference. Like I think we you can easily forget what that team looked like in, in week one. And while there was some good things, yep. um, if you go rewatch that and think about watching yesterday's game, like that would be the ultimate discouragement is if if this team had made improvements uh from them yes. because like they like you said, and, and this is I think a great place to transition to to third down here. Um we got the bye week coming up, mm-hmm. but then after that. I don't know how far you want to look. I like for me, I look at the next four games, particular right. as being right. very difficult. So you got versus the Cowboys, you get at the Ravens, you got at the Chargers, mm-hmm. and then you got um, the uh, I don't I, I know you get nicknames for them, but but <laughs> out of respect, I'll just say the Packers. Um, yeah, yeah, right. That, that's that's the next four games. Um, so, what are you? hoping for as they as they go into this bye week uh, like what's that is there a specific area i guess maybe that you're thinking hey you know what let's really sharpen here because this is what we really need to be able to mm-hmm. to come away with those in those next four games yeah uh the first thing you always or the first thing i always think of at least when i think the bye week is getting healthy right yeah so for, for you know get, get your bodies right and wh- whatever that means for you if you're just a little bit dinged up you need to get into the trainer's room and whatever then fine if you have a legit issue, a legit injury that you're just kind of resting, then great, take more rest. Uh, the first thing I think of is really fine-tuning the offense and really finding that kind of explosive balance whereby you can really integrate all these different players where you're not just slamming Cook up the middle 25, 30 times on rushes, but you're really integrating him, featuring him in the pass game, getting him to the edge where you can feature both of your star receivers and they can both be excellent and explosive. Um, I know PFF, it's not, it's not critical is not the right word, but they pointed out in their kind of post game piece that I think it said 49.9% of cousins yards yesterday came after the catch. So you could just 49.9. So let's just say 50%, half of his passing yards came after the catch. To me, that's perfect, right? Because that means it's short passes and therefore, the O-line doesn't have to block for that long. So that's not an indictment on Cousins. That's more of a criticism, in a sense, on the O-line, and that you're saying, we're not taking seven-step dropbacks and heaving the ball 40 yards downfield, 50 yards downfield. Cousins can throw the ball deep. He's an accurate deep ball passer, right? But I, I like that they, you know, it's almost like a death by a thousand paper cuts approach. And you hope that as you throw these short passes and trust that Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, and then maybe Cook a little more can get yards after the catch. I love that approach because it doesn't put too much on the O-line, right? There's a reason why we didn't allow any sacks yesterday because we weren't dropping back super far, right? And, and, and you know, and then when we did, a lot of times it was coming off a bootleg and play action. So I'd like to see fine-tuning that component of things whereby you integrate all these playmakers, yards after the catch, quick passes, screens, drag routes, slants, flares the cook, dynamic, play action, bootleg, that kind of thing make life easier for the old line. And then for the defense is exactly what Sam was just saying. To me, I think let's be, have a suffocating run defense, right? We've got these two big D tackles. We've got good linebackers. We want to have guys continually. And by guys, I want, we want to have the opposing offense continually in third and seven, third and eight, third and 10. And if we do that in theory, we're, we're in a position to succeed because in theory, that's where Zim can get those creative blitzes, the creative coverages, and so we'll see. So that's kind of, I'm, I mostly think about the offense because I think they have so much potential. Their ceiling is so high because like there's 
Thielen, Jefferson, Cook, you can make a case that that's the best trio of skill players in the league, mm-hmm. right? And then if you have Osborne and Conklin, some of the other dudes behind them who can also contribute, you think, man, oh man, this is a team that could be just sensational, right? In, in terms of in, like explosive, can't get them off the field, can't cover all these weapons. So that, that's, that's really where my mind goes, is that offense taking that next step to being like they're good, but to being like elite, unstoppable, how do we slow these guys down kind of thing? Yeah, that's fair. What, what do you look at when you see these guys? Do you think you think it's mostly a defense or specials, or are you kind of leaning offense? Yeah, it was interesting yesterday, like the special teams, that was kind of the like the block punt. It's just like like I I don't remember seeing a gap so big down the middle ever. Um, like that was like it, yeah. I, I don't know how like how to measure it, but it felt like it was a six foot gap there. It was just like it was like they parted for him. Um, I know it's, I laugh yeah. because it, it like was just almost like comical to watch that. Um, so anyways, we, we haven't, uh, we, we don't need to go there. Uh, we got the win. Um, yeah, I do like you, you make a good point about injuries and I still like, it feels like cook has almost been a little bit of a decoy so far. Like he's obviously been touching the ball, but not nearly as much as I think you'd hope for. Um, although when Cousins is, is passing the way that he has and, and the the pass offense was as working as well as it is, I think that was pretty good yesterday to just to do with uh, do what works. Um, and, and Jefferson, too, actually yesterday, it looked like he kind of got dinged up on one of those plays near the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So obviously health there. I, I just think yep. that yep. mentally it's just a good time to refresh. And I know yesterday we, we saw those penalties creep in again and like some exactly. of those unnecessary penalties Stupid and like penalties. it's yep. it's not like i don't know how much it is like you work on penalties but i think it is like almost just hitting a little bit of a reset and and realizing okay like we're okay three and three is not great but it's it's certainly like we're we're the season is not done let's let's get ourselves together mentally yep and and let's prepare for for a long run because yep. now we're looking at 11 games after yeah, the yeah. bye and we're hoping for, for a few more after that too. Right. Exactly. So, like, I don't know what it looks like, all the ins and outs of what it looks like for a bye week for, for an NFL player, but I am hoping that while in some ways they're not, I don't know you can call two games a streak, um, but they are, they are doing well, but if they can continue and not lose any of the moment momentum, because I like, when you look ahead at those games, I think yeah. that, the Dallas Cowboys game is probably in my mind, I would say it's one of the more winnable games of those next four, um, but it's still a very good team. Um, They're five and one. Yeah. Right. And you look at the NFC, uh, Dallas is five and one. I believe the Rams are, the Bucks are, the Packers. Uh, and who am I missing? Uh, Arizona Cardinals. I think, are they six? No. Right. So the NFC is loaded, right? <laughs> like just loaded with teams who are, you know, have impressive records. I suspect by the time it's all said and done, one, maybe two of those five teams will probably drop off and come back down to earth, right? I can't imagine you're going to end up having five NFC teams. One goes undefeated and the other go like 14 and three or 13 and four. You know, one or two of them are going to come back down to earth and end up finishing 11 and six, say, or 10 and seven or something like that. But in any case, the NFC is looking intense right now really really intense 
And with the Vikings in the hole that they're in, you're kind of playing for that wild card spot unless the Packers crumble, um, which we're all hoping for, of course. But we'll just we'll just kind of see that that Dallas game, Halloween night, is is big, really 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 big. Because I mean, when you look at those that four game stretch, it's maybe not good enough to even go two and two. It's maybe not good enough to even go five hundred against those four teams because you're three and three. So after 10 games, if you're five and five in that low to the NFC, you're in a tough spot, right? Like, and again, you're, you're just hoping to snag that seven seed maybe, or the six seed perhaps. So it's that Dallas game feels pretty big. Every, every game feels pretty big at this point because we've lost three games. So yeah, this is the beauty of the NFL. It's just every game is big. And exactly. And the Vikings yeah. have, um, they've used out, you've used their, uh, I don't know if you call it get out of jail free cards or whatever, like they, like they've <laughs> yeah, used up those. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You you go through a couple of painful losses in a season, and like that's yeah. just the the season. Like they've they've used them up. Um, and oh so yeah, they're gone. They're gone. They're long gone. It's yeah. time to to win the games that you need to win, and then win exactly. some that you probably are underdogs in. Yep. Should it beat the Bengals? Should it beat the Cardinals? Didn't beat either. <laughs> so hey, you know what? You you could you could do some mental gymnastics, and you could say you could you should have won any game that uh, that you. Yeah, that's true. But. But like I say that sarcastically, but also at the same time, it just goes to show you that like the NFL, the way it works, like it's it, a win or a loss comes down to a play. Uh, yep. And One big mistake at a critical moment. Yeah. Game over. Right. Like, I know it's not quite that simple. You know, there's still plays afterwards, but one critical turning point and ends. And now we're, you know, we do that a couple of times and we're at three and three when we could have been five and one one of those amazing NFC teams that people are talking about, but instead we're an average NFC team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still, I, I, I don't think that anyone's like really sleeping on the Vikings. Um, I think yeah, that, probably not. I feel like Vikings fans are more critical of the Vikings than anyone else's. Um, oh yeah. I was yeah, watching yeah. a, like, and that's just, that's how fandom works. Um, but I was watching a, I think it was an NFL network or something show where they're just talking about how like all these things that have happened to the Vikings, they're just like highlighting just these, these games and these small mistakes. Yeah. And it was like, we, we know uh, it's there. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, 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 we haven't forgotten yet. Um, I, the, the, the memory of a, of a fan is, is not short term. Um, yep. So yep. looking forward to the bye week We got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll have another episode, I guess, where we're not talking about, breaking down a game we'll be we'll looking ahead to to what's to come so stay mm-hmm. tuned for that but we'll wrap up there um in terms of our vikings coverage we've got in our odds and ends we've got the minnesota wild and you know what mm-hmm. we look you can make short-term uh declarations when a, a season's early and the minnesota wild are in first place in their division at uh, 2-0 it helps that some teams have only played one game but uh, that's not their <laughs> yeah. fault that's um, right. Not a whole lot you can do. And hey, you know what? These guys are in the lineup. They're clicking. Um, the, it's just, it is fascinating to see this team and how they are built on paper. And I know even I've seen some images of the second power play unit. Um, and there's certainly a lack of skill there. But when you can, like, I don't, I don't know what your thought is. Do you have anything, Kyle? But like, in my mind, if you can load up that first power play unit and put them out there for, for a minute 15 that's uh, sometimes even a minute 30 if they've got some good offensive pressure like yep. i know the, the like teams i've watched before they've really tried to divide up the talent and it just feels 
Like it's no. not worth it. Like you've got a chance. You're up one player against a team. Like just go for it and make it happen and make it not even necessary that the second unit gets on because you just yep. you score and you finish off the power play. Because um, they a normal, do have a pretty dynamic yeah. first. In a normal first five on five, I say you balance it, right? Because because you know what I mean. Like if if you have all these skill players, don't just load them up on the top line. Maybe divide them up in their top two because then then the other team can't just play a matchup line and maybe shut down all your offense. But with five on four power play, load them up because because then they can't match up. That's the whole thing, right? You have the, the man advantage, and so I'm good with that. And Sam saying minute fifteen of just like a lethal power play one, then I say absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know that. Uh, just in reading things, there's definitely been some good performances. I, I think a guy like Marcus Foligno is just such a key guy to have on your team. Sure, he's, sure. He, it's just the things that he brings and to have mm-hmm. guys uh, in your lineup that can do the things that he does and are willing to do the things that he does is just mm-hmm. so encouraging. Um, so, I, you know what? It's going to be a fun season. We'll have lots to talk about, uh, yeah. but, uh, but a good start. Hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Good. Kyle? Uh, where can listeners find more of your work? Head over to vikingsgazette.com and purpleptsd.com. Uh, click on the articles there if you like what you see. And uh, otherwise, keep stopping by here. Listen to Sam and I ramble on. Love it. Love it. Well, we'll wrap up there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>